This gospel message is brought to you by the redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. Delays is return, and this particular generation of believers, we go home to be with the Lord in our good old age. I think the legacy that has been left for us, in which one Sunday every month we dedicate to just thank God, I think it should be the ancient landmark that nobody should remove. I ponder seriously over that this weekend, knowing that Thanksgiving Sunday, I miss it much more now when we're locked down. Uh, other Sundays we miss, I need to be honest with you, it's difficult to replicate what we do in the building. But you will try today and replicate it somehow. And I'm sure the Lord will smile at us. That's 12 Sundays a year at the very minimum. We are asked by the Holy Spirit through the leadership of our church that it should be dedicated. And that is 12 over 52 I think I did my maths, it's about 23%. That's more than tithe that we are paying unto God by saying that Thanksgiving Sunday. So we will try and keep that tradition here as well. Thanksgiving Sunday will remain Thanksgiving. And if there's any sharing we will share, it will just be along the line to help us to thank the Lord even more than ever before. And so this Sunday, the 7th of June, We'll be taking our test from Psalm 150, and I read verse 2. Psalm 150, and I read verse 2, and it says, Praise him for his mighty acts. That is, praise God for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. When we look back and see the wondrous things or acts of God in our lives, and we take time to break them down properly, you'll find out that it's absolutely possible for somebody to say 90% of his prayer time is in thanking God. Uh, awesome. So I wonder what I use by this time. You say, Lord, I thank you for that. You might run dry. But in my own little way, I discovered that if you even give thought onto what God has done for you, he's done for you. And I will look into them closely later on. What he has done in you, because they are different. And what he has done through you. What do I mean what he has done for you? That's simple. He has provided food for you. He has provided health for you. That is what he did for you. He protected you from not losing your job. That's what he did for you. Nobody could have done it. When the enemy was going to strike at night, and I'm using that example that came to the house today for testimony to share with you. The enemy came to want to snuff the life of a little child away. God was there for you, and he protected. And so look at your own life. Look at what God has done for you. And usually there are things that he did in conjunction with you or he did it just out with you. Think deeply. He's done so much for us. 
love that song. Yeah, I don't so much for me, I cannot tell it all. You know? And, um, but when you even leave what he has done for you, look at what he has done in you. What has he done in you? I, don't, I will be surprised if you are today what you were 10 years ago. Maybe some anger is going. Maybe some tolerance are coming in. Maybe some things. and It's just an internal work. What maybe some peace that has been lost started coming back. Maybe some joy are wearing off. Maybe you can't even explain how you are surviving because an internal work is done in you. Do you see now that uh, if you just sit down and say, today, Lord, I'm doing nothing. I'm going to thank you for what you've done in me. Thank you for salvation. Thank him that the problem, somehow, you still find joy in the midst of it. Thank you that when you sit down around you, despite what is going on, something wells up in you. That's a major one that God has done for me, or in me, rather. Don't let's confuse it. Even myself, I'm mixing it up now. Because it's very easy. Somebody say, if you think deeply, you will thank God profusely. I pray grace will be abound for us. And I'm not splitting the air here. I'm talking about how men like the psalmist David was able to praise God with so many sons because he was able to break them down. What about what God has done through you? You know, you know we don't remember to thank God for that. You send a card to somebody, Lord, I thank you. I'm able to send this card. I thank you, Lord, for this word that I send in this birthday card. That's what God has done through you. The phone call that you call, and surprisingly, surprisingly, you will surprise yourself. You're able to bless the person. Oh, what about the one God is doing through you in the house of God? In leading worship, in backing up worship, in playing instruments, in ushering, in sanctuary keeping. Thank God that God is doing that through you because every one of them, they will attract some reward later. There was a man, as good as he was, he wanted to build a house for God. God said no. He paid him. He was a lover of God. David, that was. He paid him. There are some people like that, you really want to bless them. You want to do something for them at human level. They then said, no, you can't do it. I've been there before. And I've learned never to do it to somebody. They want to go out of their way to bless me. When I was just a young believer, growing up, especially as a young minister, I tried to fall people out. Don't, don't, don't. God warned me. He said, don't stop their blessing. If you stop their blessing, not only will you be unblessed, but you'll be a curse unto them. Since that time, anybody wants to stretch their hand to bless me? I know because it's a blessing to be a blessing. When God called Abraham, what did he tell him? He said, I will bless you. That's all. The only real first call that we had in the Bible, covenant call, was Abraham. Not Noah, not anybody else. He said, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. So what am I talking about? Brethren, that even what God is doing through you, remember to thank God. Many of us, we see it as a chore. We see it as a bother. And you probably have noticed in our local church, whenever we want to ask somebody to do somebody and something and the person is a little bit trying to say it's too much, you must have noticed I step back. It's a privilege. Oh, it's a huge privilege. All right, we, have a, we still need to take time to worship God today. Hallelujah. But you probably think those are all, but those are the three that I can find. But I have a fourth one quickly. You'll be surprised. And sometimes we don't remember to thank God. So when we stand up later on, 
journey this service, I will begin to give thanks unto the Lord. I'm asking you in the name that's above all names to please, please remember to thank God for what is done for, what is gone in, and what is done through you. Also remember, thank God for what has done by you or around you. That could be hard for people sometimes. And Jesus Christ warned the disciples, Luke chapter 10, verse 23. He said, He turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you are seeing. We hear great testimonies. People who have been believing God for many blessings. 65-year-old, trusting God for, you know, their own children, get back to have multiple births. People who have been sick and bound by one thing or another for so long, God raised them up. Blessed are your eyes that see them. Blessed are your eyes that see them. And so don't just wait until God has done you. In fact, for seeing them, as soon as you begin to thank God, God knows that it's an area that many of us, we do not thank God enough. Dance for somebody else as if you are dancing for yourself. Hallelujah. All right. That's the first part of our test, which says that praise him for his mighty acts. But remember, it also says praise him according to his excellent greatness. Greatness, rather. As important as the first part of our thanksgiving is, there is still more and there's still better we can give him. And I thought of it that thanks that is given based on historical occurrences, they tend to wane, dwindle, and possibly diminish with time. Thanks based on historical occurrences. They tend to wane. They tend to diminish. What God has done in a long time, and it is human. That's the, the human brain filing system. We file things away. There's nothing you can do about it. Out of sight, out of mind. After the time, things. And the children of Israel, they struggled a lot with that in the wilderness. God kept it. Can't you remember Egypt? You know, but Jesus Christ came later on. In Hebrews chapter 5, he tells us we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of infirmity. You know, chapter 4. So he knows how we feel anyway. But well, you know, at that time, it was like, why can't you? But human beings, we forget. We forget acts. <laughs> no matter how good you are, it, 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 it dwindles. As time goes by, it, it starts waning. And unfortunately, it recedes faster still when adverse situations set in. That's why I've been in circumstances and situations before in which um, in settling situation between relationships, spousal, parental, sibling, through the years, evil brethren in the church. I keep telling them, but you are saying this person is bad. Can't you remember? I remember the time this person did something. We were forgotten. And it's really adverse situation and current situation make us to forget previous good acts. That is human. <laughs> as long as you are looking at the acts, the acts of today tends to nullify the good acts of yesterday. It's hard not to think like that unless you propose in your heart that you will not forget. And I put it this way. I said the present affects our perception of the past. It's a life rule. And if I have time, I would like to spend a lot of time on that one. The present affects our perception of the past. It's a general life rule. <laughs> Success today diminishes the pain of the past. 
Nobody ever talks about, oh, they didn't treat me well when I was growing up. By the time you succeed, you have succeeded, you've forgotten all the bad treatment you say you did. You know people that bring up, oh, when I was growing up, when I was with that uncle, when I was with that auntie, and this happened to me, and it affects them, is because presently their situations are not good. Very, very few people will hold things against past things that has happened as long as your today is all right. That's why it's today that matters, to be honest. Nobody remembers. In fact, you are willing so that they can come and see what you have turned out to be. But as long as the present is not okay, our perception of the past, the same past is not different. The same past that you are angry about, as soon as things start breaking through, you, you now show up. Now, I will tell you where I'm taking this in a moment. Just drawing some life lessons. Let's look at the converse as well. A person that also fails today, amplifies the pain of the past, and even subdues the success of the past. Whatever stuff we are going through, the Lord will deliver us. He mm. will deliver us. But what I discovered in all this is that um, if we move forward, our praise must not be based on the past, which has to do with acts. Let your praise not be based, or put it to you just as I wrote it down, let your praise be based, not just on the past, which has to do with acts, but on the present, which has to do with the person. Uh, if you separate acts from person, life tends to be a little bit easier. The problem that we have as human beings that we can't do without acts. You know, it's true. I mean, our acts defines us. By their fruit, you shall know them. But when we are dealing with God, who does no wrong? <laughs> Uh, the same rule of acts we apply to him, but the rule of person will not apply to him. Uh, you and I, we may fall short of where we ought to be. God never falls short. And so as much as we are concentrating on his acts, remember his person. Remember his person. Even as human beings, IGO used to say that one of the things that does not make him bitter about people that have been around him is that he's trained himself to remember the good times they had together. And that's a very good way to have good life. It's hard. It's hard. Some people can be really difficult. Oh, man. I mean, which good have they done? When you've done, you know, 10 pounds uh, good and you've done 100 pounds bad. But leave that as it may. I will ask that we let the person of God. That's what he says in second part. So two parts to our test today Praise him for his mighty acts, remember? Then praise him according to his excellent greatness. God is great. You agree with me? Thank him for who he is. And this is not just a religious statement I'm saying. As I'm trying to round off, I want to let you know that God's greatness must be studied you must study how great God is. How great is your God? You must study it. You must know the greatness of God. Read all books about it. Read Bible verses about the greatness of God. Don't even think about it. Just see how great he is. God's greatness must be mastered. Mastered in the sense that after you have studied it, you must be an expert. <laughs> in human expert. Who can be anyway. 
And you must know how to manage the knowledge of the greatness of God that you have. When you are crying or shouting the greatness of God or you are spouting it out, it's not for God, it's for you. It's not for God that we talk about his greatness. It's for me, it's for you. It is our bragging right and our tool of victory. It's our tool for victory. You know David very well in 1 Samuel chapter 17, 45 to 49. Very well known stories to you. The man specialized in bragging with his God. In Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 to 18, the same thing happened about the Hebrew children. They, they specialize in the ability of their God. And this month is our month of divine great power. Specialize. Even the whole of this month, you will see how different things will be. Just pick books, pick tests, pick, you know, um, media, videos or whatever that talks about the greatness of God. And you'll be surprised how your God will be bigger. When you say magnify the Lord with me, you can't make God bigger. You can only magnify God in your sight. If your God is like tiny like that, that's the result. How big is your God? How big is your God? We are back to the same point again. Well, there are two areas that determine the greatness of God, of many. I divided them into two for this purpose. There are two areas that determine the greatness of God. Number one, God's ability. And that's his power. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, we can have that. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. God's ability, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according what? to the power that works in us. He is able. The word is able. God is able. Is able. Is able. He's done it for you in some areas before he will do it again. He is able. That's his characteristic. God is able. He is exceedingly able. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. It also talks about the ability of God. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. God is able to make grace abound towards you so that you can have all that you need. That's one section. And trust me, can spend a long time talking about the abilities of God, multiplying examples in the Bible, incredible things that God did. Parted the Red Sea, allowed fire to be called down by Elijah. A woman that had the child dead, raised back to life. And in simple, ordinary things, a fever was healed in the life of Peter's mother-in-law. Simple, ordinary things, provision for Peter himself. Go and check your scripture. See the ability of God to do beyond any thought or imagination. The first call of Peter was based on the what? On the ability of God. The scripture is powerful enough for us. Number two area that you need to specialize and thank God and magnify him. Okay? It's not just in his ability, in his availability. Availability means his love. He said that God made his child available 
John chapter 3, verse 16. That's another way of rendering for God so loved the world that he gave. He offered his son and repeated it in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You know, verse 23, where he says that, you know, if he's God that has freely, he will freely also give you all things. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 31, verse 3. Jeremiah 31, verse 3. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. The Lord has appeared of all to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. The love of God is deep. And God is available. Let me close like this. So that you will now know that if you don't thank God for both of these, you'll be accusing God of something. And you dare not. With all things being equal, as we used to say at STP, anybody remember that one? Standard temperature and pressure. If you did some chemistry. When everything is okay and equal, without any caveats or maybe or all or that, ability without availability is wickedness. You are able to do it, and you say, no, I want to do it. That's wickedness. And you can't charge God of wickedness. So I want you to know that anytime you are thanking him, remember, don't tell you I be God, but tell him that, no, I know you are loving as well. On the converse, availability without ability is weakness. Availability. And that is where Somebody like many of us we fall. We are desirous to do something for people. But we are trusting God that his power will manifest through our lives the more. I hope you are seeking that. It's as bad. But it's not as bad as the first one. You have the power and people are suffering and you make up your mind you won't, you won't be available for them. Ah, that is evil. And God cannot be charged of evil. I mean, I'm, you know, a lot of philosophers and all the rest, I've listened to a lot of them, apologists uh, for humanism or for atheism. They come around and tell, oh, if God is big, why can't he? You know, all those things. There are questions that human beings are asking. You are a child of God. You know that God is able and God is available. And you must be ready to thank him. Let's talk some deep things today. So, it's available and I know he's also able to do it. And I dare say that full ability with full availability is what God is all about. I call it that is divine. I say full. All human beings will have it in various degrees. Some ability, some availability, a lot of ability, little ability, a lot of... So. Because of our human nature, you have some ability, you consider it, I won't help this one. Not that that's a general rule, but for if it is full ability and full availability, what have I come to do today? To lift God up before you. That's what I've come to do. So that when we start praising him, you will praise him from a position of knowledge. There's nobody in scripture that I read that came to God, fell at his feet, worship him, and God says, go away. Not one. No. No. I mean, we pick examples from Second Chronicles 20. Those ones are just the outstanding ones. Look closely. Anyone, anybody that cry unto God and with a tiny bit of worship, constantly they say in the scripture, and he fell at his feet. And Jesus Christ will help them. Fell at the prophets. Nobody has been kicked away. Everyone that has suffered in the hand of God in the scripture, they purpose in their mind not to worship him. 
And everyone that have been blessed, they may not tell us how much they praise him, but we can infer. But at least I know there's nobody that worship God that God push away. This is a month of great power. Amen. I want you to meditate on his greatness. Amen. How big is your God? You will thank him, you will praise him, you will worship him. And we will do that now. But before you do it, we will try and simulate the usual um, thing that we do on our usual Thanksgiving Sunday. And uh, what we will do is that um, I will encourage you to take some unusual step where you are. And um, there are two ways you can give unto God. You can give to God as a show. You can give unto God as a service. Service means that it is my requirement. It is what I have to do. And you can give unto God as a sacrifice. Knock show out out of your list. Don't give God by show. Don't, don't try it. Mm. Don't, don't. Whether you are sitting down in the comfort of your house and you find it a little bit undignified to jump up and dance, I would advise that please go beyond that. Give him a sacrifice. Uh, that's me already preparing you for the offering. Don't put the offering screen there yet because we will do some dancing. I will also worship him. A sacrifice is something that is outside of your comfort zone. And so I've talked about the theoretical aspect of how to worship God. And by the special grace of God, I think some knowledge has been passed on to us. But I'm now talking about the practical aspect of it. Let me read to you from, I'll read from here. Just look at me when I read. I'll read from 2 Samuel chapter 6. And so, in a moment, we'll have an extended time of singing and dancing. Um, and before I do that, please be aware that you may feel a nudge to do something different where you are. It might look awkward. It might look a little bit unusual, especially if you have people around. You don't have people around. Remember, God won't sacrifice today. And I'm totally convinced that as you give it to him, he will answer you speedily. Let me see how best to cut this one. There was this particular day, they were returning the Ark of the Covenant to Israel. And the Bible says in verse 11, uh, so David, so let's say, uh, when God has struck Uzzah for touching the ark, um, because he should not, then David was afraid, in verse 9 I read, of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? Oh, I would resist the temptation to start some exposition on these things now. But let, let's just, just listen. So David will not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obedidom the Gittite. Ah, all right, just one comment. Uh, King, this same ark has just killed somebody. You better come up against and close his kill. And you are afraid to take the ark to your own house, and rightly so. 
Well, you thought I should be in the house of one of your subjects. I can explain this action, but maybe another day. So in verse 11, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obedidom, the Gittite, for three months, and the Lord blessed Obedidom and all his household. Wow. Now it was told King David, saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obedidom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. I'm preparing you to do something special today. I hope you will. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obedidom to the city of David with gladness. Yes. Number one, the anger of God has stopped. His subject did not die. <laughs> that would have been bad for him as a king. One time when God showed his anger against the children of Israel, he played, he said, Lord, he said, strike me if you want to. That's what good leaders are. He said, no, don't touch these people. And believe you me, many good leaders uh, that I've known, and even our own little corner here, there are moments we've prayed that one. Anyway, so David was happy for that. Let's come with me. And verse 13, very clearly. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, six paces, that he sacrificed oxen and fatted crow. Take note of the word sacrifice. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might and was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, or Michael, Saul's daughter, I don't know why they, didn't call, they called him Saul's daughter, not David's wife. I know that they, we talk about that. Looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. I'm asking you to do something unusual today wherever you are. <laughs> for your children, for your family, maybe you are even just there on your own. Praise God for that. God is there with you, and we are never alone. You might be called upon to leap and whirl. But if you are with somebody, please don't look through the window of your own, of your own lenses with judgment on them. I won't read the rest to you, but I would need to be careful that, um, you know, that you don't, that you don't, um, you know, allow anything to distract you as you worship the Lord this afternoon. We are ready to go. We're going to give our offering in the typical manner. Purposely called the message very short. We just passed the one hour mark of the service, so it's a pretty short service, so you have no reason to complain. So please, get your offering ready. If you are paying your tithe, you can has to be online, that you click the red donate button, or you use the blue button if you are using Facebook. And then if you are doing the church account, they will put that on screen for you now. Take good note of it, so that in a moment all of us together, we will sing, we will dance, wherever you are. Let's give the Lord some special sacrifice this particular Thanksgiving Sunday. Something different, something special. And it will receive your sacrifice. Amen.
For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.